0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Well, amen. As these angels fly to Children's Church, we're thankful for the enthusiasm, right? That they share. We sang that song earlier from the book or from the lyrics. They sang it from their hearts. And it wouldn't have hurt us Bible Baptists to get a little more excited about our singing. Amen. Was it Sophia that was given the motions to that? I like that. That was wonderful. And uh, I think God in heaven is smiling when he sees his children enjoying the singing. That's great. Don't quote me on getting too over, overcome with that, but... Uh, At least put a smile on your face, it wouldn't hurt a bit. Good to have you here this morning. We are just about through with a series entitled Family Matters. And so I want you to take your Bibles for today's installment of that, Ephesians chapter one. As we begin Ephesians chapter one, we're thankful for the ministry. Andrew Starr preached for us uh, last week while we were in Salt Lake City. I appreciate his willingness to do that. In the final two sessions regarding our homes, I want to visit the role of the wife and mother, the role of a husband and father as we close it up. But today, I wanted to bring a message, uh, really a challenge to all of us who uh, either have children, are children, want children, or love children. Did that cover everybody? (laughs) hope it did. So no one can go to sleep, right? Uh, Somewhere in that category you fit. Let's ask God to bless our time together. Father, what a joy it is to know that you are our Father, the only perfect parent that ever existed. We're grateful for that, and we're grateful for the instruction you give to families about raising children. Lord, we know that they are a treasure from you, an inheritance from heaven, and I pray that we would be wise stewards of that glorious treasure. Whether we have children or not today, help us to be wise in mentoring those little ones around us. We pray this, asking for your help, in Jesus' name, amen. Today's lesson really, the message really, is to answer the question, God gave me a child or children, now what? Help, I'm a parent, now what? And So what are we to do with these little ones that God entrusts to us? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, let's read these verses. This gives us really the grand panorama of God's eternal plan, and we've already touched on this as we started the series, what does God want for our children? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, Ephesians 1, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, see, God had a plan, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of, here's a great phrase, of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of here is the end, really, the praise of the glory of His grace. That's why I exist. I'm not here for my own praise or glory or selfish design. I exist for the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved family of God, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Praise God for that. In just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate the truth of that. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." It's all about what He's done for us and His plan that included us. "...wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times..." Here's a beautiful picture. He's going to gather us together in one, all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him." And we could, of course, keep reading, but God will surround himself with those who have trusted in him. And what a glorious family reunion that will be uh, when we meet with the one who's designed, created us for his own purpose. Well I do love children. I mentioned earlier in the series that children are given to us as parents that there might be a reflection of God's own love for his bride, the church. And the way we raise and steward the responsibility of our children growing up is a reflection to the world around us of how great our God is and how much he loves us and cares for us. And I think it's a wonderful thing that we have strong families at Bible Baptist Church. Keep it up. Uh, we've just gone through uh, two, two lessons about uh, taking our kids to the woodshed. I hope you understand there's more to it than just tra- tra- traveling after our children and trying to get them back on track with a big wooden hammer or whatever. It's not about that. We'd certainly have to discipline our children as God wants us to, but we are as a family pictures of the grace of God that was motivated uh, in eternity past by his love for us. We have just gotten back, as I mentioned, from a trip to see our three grandbabies in Salt Lake City. Thank you for allowing us these little excursions. It was a blessing, as grandparents here know, uh, just to hug on those little guys, three little boys, so precious, those little lives, those little faces. Ah, but those little diapers, what a mess. Um, We understand, parents, you have a a stressor in your life. It's not all about <laughs> the smiles and the good expressions. There's other things that go on, right? One thing we realize now that all of our kids are out of the nest is how noisy it is in houses where there's little ones, more than one. Even one can make a racket, but they are noisy creatures. Uh, we have uh, gotten back to our adjusted, quiet life but for four days, we were surrounded by constant noise. Sun up to sun down, and then I don't know why young parents do this, but they somebody invented a noise machine, and and, and after a whole day of this racket, they take their kids and put them to bed and turn on a noise machine. And my wife likes it so much because she doesn't enjoy my snoring. She's bought one for us, so the noisiest time. Uh, and our house is at night, and she's got this noise machine going. And so, parents, that's part of it, I guess. You're trying to overcome noise with noise. Never a dull moment. We love we love to see the transition of ages and how fast they grow up. Isn't it neat to see that? Parents, you don't get to because you're living in the midst of that. But when we visit from time to time, it's just so neat to see how God is just in every stage and season of life uh, using parents to direct We found out with Garrett and Whitney, that's my son-in-law and daughter, they have a six-year-old, almost two, and a five-month-old, and uh, they all require their own libraries. Realize that? I didn't know that, and different toys, clothes, books, reading materials, diaper sizes, bed sizes. Parents, bless your hearts, you're always buying something, aren't you? And that keeps you poor and humble. Um, I... I don't uh, know how you sort it all out. Robin came back after we took them somewhere there this past week in Salt Lake City, and uh, she found out she put the wrong diaper on the wrong boy. I thought one size fits all. I didn't know there were, but no, there's different sizes of everything. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, I love the things they say, don't you? And how they say them with their baby talk. Allow me to be grandparently for a minute as we begin the ser- uh, sermon today. But I love that baby talk, how they uh, just always twist words around. Um, maybe you're stressed out as a parent, a young parent, with the words they say, trying to get them to speak English correctly without baby accent. Don't do that. Grandparents love it. We love to hear that Dutchy talk. And so don't push them into adult. Enjoy the moment, as the song says, cherish the moment. Soon they'll be apart. It's a long way to Salt Lake City. I guess planes can get there in about four hours, but it's still a long way, so cherish these moments. I'm frustrated to death with my kids. Will they ever get it? Will they ever grow up? It was fun to us to see our six-year-old grandson, who is now believing he's grown up, trying to teach the two-year-old how to talk, so it just was amazing for us to see that. You know, Asa is at that age where all he likes to do when somebody something goes wrong is scream, and if you have kids like that, just blood curdling scream. And so Asa too toddles over to where Callan is, and Callan says, "Don't scream." You know, here's a parent junior, and I thought how much like Whitney that was when she was that age. He's trying to be the expert in talking, and so he says to his little two year old brother, "Don't." Talk like that. Don't scream. And then he says, Look at me, Asa. Six years old. Look at me. Asa, say, Please. He goes, Please. May. May. I. I. Have. Have. The. The. Toy. Toy. Nice, Asa. He would give her that comment. Nice, Asa. You can't have the toy, but nice. My brothers were the worst teachers for me in my (laughs) life. I never respected my brother's teaching. But my son-in-law is a pediatrician in the Air Force. And it's fun to listen to his stories about what children say. I read about a pediatrician who was talking to a four-year-old in his office. The little boy on the examination table came in for a checkup. So the doctor was trying to tell the little fellow... Uh, some things just to take the edge off. He was afraid, of course, and so he looked into his ears and said, uh, "Do you think I'll find Big Bird in here?" Nothing. The boy said nothing. He looked down his throat with a tongue depressor. "Do you think I'll find Bert and Ernie?" <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> Bert and Ernie down here. No answer. Then he put his stethoscope right on the little boy's chest. "Do you think I'll hear Cookie Monster in here?" The boy finally said something. He said, no, Jesus is in my heart. Cookie monster on my socks. (laughs) (laughs) We could have titled this message, Parents, How to Put Jesus in Their Little Hearts. Isn't that a great challenge? I understand and I know that there's nothing, nothing you can do uh, to save your children or anyone all you can do is surround them. Now, listen carefully. You can't save anyone, but you can surround them with the Savior in such a way that when they leave your home in just a few years, Jesus will be the sweetest name they know. Let me say that again. None of us can save anyone. That's up to God. But we can surround them with the Savior in such a way that when they do leave our homes, Jesus will be the sweetest name they know that's our goal isn't it so what is it uh, that i'm supposed to do with these little ones what in the world is uh, what, what is it god wants me to do well first of all i want you to teach them god's big plan for their lives we've just read the panorama of redemptive history that god who began the process Who knows when in eternity past, nothing ever has occurred to God. So he understood the whole creative process, creation process, but long before we even came into being, God had a plan and that plan was to institute families, of course. And then God wants us to come to him, not willing that anybody should perish, but come to him, hear the story of grace and live our lives for him so that when we die and meet him again one day in glory, we shall be there uh, as wise stewards, not only of our children but our lives uh, in particular. In Our first installment in this series, I reminded all of us that our calling, our purpose didn't start the day we were born, but God created us, interesting words, by His, 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 His divine intention, by design, for His own glory, and that one day we will go back to Him. So all this process In parenting is to realize there is a big plan. Often I'll talk to parents and they say, Well, we just believe that uh, we ought to be more more or less non-directive. We we're given these children, don't don't know how they got here, but they're ours, I guess, and so we're keeping them. And so our job is simply to give them three square meals a day, and hopefully they'll find their way. They'll flap their wings one day when they're 18, 25, 35, and they'll leave the nest, and maybe. They'll land in a good place, but I don't want to skew the direction. I think it's up to them. Ephesians 6, 4 says, and ye fathers, mothers included, you are to bring up your children. God has placed that stewardship squarely upon your shoulders. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You are to mind what goes into their minds. And you are to lead them to become Christ-like. Teach them God's big plan. Romans 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 reminds us that they are gods before the foundation of the earth. The, the verse says there in Romans 1, among whom ye are called of Jesus Christ, beloved of God, called to be the saints. Saints there is not a scary word, but every child of ours... And our families is called by God to be separated, holy, uniquely placed, and reminded that they are gods for God's purposes. How different is your home than the home of the unsaved man who lives next door to you? You see, your children need to know early in life that they are to be called by God, separated, designed by God for His purposes, uh, by God, for God, to God. They may have been a surprise to you. Ever hear that? Number three there, he was a surprise child. Number four, he was an accident. <laughs> no. In the eyes of God, each one has an eternal purpose. That's pretty weak. Every one of your children is planned by God and has an eternal plan. First Corinthians 1, 26, for you see your calling, brethren to be a special, called out treasure to God, to be set apart. Ephesians 4, 1 and verse 4, walk worthy of the vocation calling to which you're called. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, walk worthy of God who hath called you into His eternal kingdom and glory. We get them for a little while to prepare them for an eternity with God. And we have this moment in time, parents, with our children. To prepare them for all of eternity. One day, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, they will wind up, verse 10, at his throne, either in judgment as an unbeliever or certainly for commendation of how they have stewarded their lives. And we get the first exposure to their lives, and it's not an accident that God gave you those children to prepare them. First, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1.9, uh, here it says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according, and I'm adding this, to, to works or looks, family education, name, color, race, or status, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began. The big plan is that they were created, again, I'm coming back to these three little phrases. There's by God, for God, and to God. Remember that as you parent your children made by God before they were born, God loved them, John 3, 16. In life, they must learn to know and trust God as Savior, for one day they have an appointment with God, and that knowledge as a parent lies heavily upon my heart. Every day I realize these are not my kids, they're God's. I have this stewardship for just a moment of time and one day they will stand before the Lord and it's my job as, as the parent to give them first exposure to who God is and how much God loves them. How does knowing God's big picture settle our children? Settled you. Well it saves you from spending excessive time and money trying to make your child popular, accepted, happy, successful, and respected by the world because he is not of the world, he's called out of it unto God and His purposes. So Robin and I decided early in life we better understand what that purpose is. And give ourselves to helping these little ones know that their calling, regardless of their uh, physical or earthly vocation, their holy vocation trumps it all, supersedes it all, overarches it all, that God one day will call them home to glory. And I've got, I've got to agree with a Westminster shorter catechism that says this, the chief end of man is to know what man wants and to pursue it forever. No, the chief end of man and my children is to know God, glorify Him, and enjoy Him forever. That's the big plan for their lives. By God, for God, and to God. That settles me when I think about all the options my children might have in life. and and all the things that they might want to do with their lives. I'm there not to just helter-skelter, run after every one of their desires, but to lead them early in life to the one who has an eternal plan for them. Teach them about God's big plan. Robin got our little Cal six years of age. He got him an astronaut suit uh, while we were there, completely white, got the NASA symbol on there. He's got the helmet that you he can barely hold up, you know, so big. And he's walking through the house and I'm thinking, man, that little kid's going somewhere. What if he became, of all things, even more spectacular than his daddy who was in Air Force? Thought? What if he becomes an, isn't that every kid's dream, an astronaut? I remember one of our kindergarten graduations as we saw the kids go through, and each one of them said what they wanted to become. You know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to do what my daddy does, and he's an engineer. And there at the end of the line, a little boy came through and said, I want to work at McDonald's. I said, great. There's a big thinker. But God's plan for all of our children supersedes the skies. It's great if your son has the acumen or daughter to float around in a spacesuit someday. That's wonderful. That's impressive. But God has planned for him a greater future or her. By God, for God, to God. So help them to be faithful with that heavenly calling. Number two. Feed them with the truth about the gospel. In your home, make it a gospel center. Too many parents obsess over getting their children just to say a prayer. Often at ages three or four, and I'm not saying that a child cannot savingly believe because The Lord said of children, of such is the kingdom of heaven. You do not have to be a college-graduated Bible student to understand the core truths of the gospel. But I want to give a caution here. I do want to to encourage parents to make your home a cross-centered, gospel-centered place. And, and, And don't just make the gospel up a series of A, B, C, and D or four spiritual law. Teach them these things, but don't make that and signing a card or the flyleaf of their Bible when they're four or five that they said a prayer. And, and the parents often say, Great, all my kids are in. They're in the fold because they've all said the prayer. They, they, they they've, you know, I had to twist their arm a little bit, but they, they confess that they're sinners. And they believe that there is a God, and Jesus is God, and they believe that He rose again from the dead for their sins, but I don't cross, and they prayed that prayer, and they were only three or four. It does, at times, become that point where true belief and faith happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, but be careful about pushing your children Uh, to say that prayer instead of leading them to Christ. You see, there's a difference. Um, How many times at camp we get asked Pastor Starr about this at junior high and high school camp do we hear testimonies like, my mother told me I prayed a prayer at age five and that's how I know I'm saved. I said the words, there's a date in my Bible. Parents do not pick green fruit or false fruit. But make your home a gospel center where line upon line, precept upon precept, the truths of the gospel are continually the culture of your home. Pictures on the wall, storybooks, uh, 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 even even children's Bibles that are illustrated. The daily influence of the cross has great impact, and there will come a moment in that child's life where they are attracted to the truth about the gospel. And on God's time, not yours, they will put their faith trustingly in Jesus, but make your home a gospel center. Feed them with the truth, sometimes bite-sized. We told Garrett, the, uh, one of our visits, Garrett loves to preach at his boys and that's good, but he said, I'm learning. I can't dump the whole load on them (laughs) in one setting. It takes time, doesn't it, parents, for that to soak in and become a reality. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 1, and you're looking at it, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And then we see verse 13 in whom ye also trusted, and there's an interesting word right there, after. When does a a child come to Christ in whom you've trusted? After ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed. There's a process and a progress. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Child can get saved, most definitely. But the concepts must be understood. The words of truth. Does your child know who is Jesus? What is a Savior? What is sin? Why did Jesus die for me? What did Jesus do with my sin? At age four and five, they may not understand the depth of their depravity. What does it mean to trust? Oh, let's take time and to help our little ones understand. There must be a growing weightiness in my soul. The little heart must be... Um, overwhelmed and associated with the idea of, of, of sin bringing guilt and the Holy Spirit then bringing conviction about sin, John the, <clears throat> the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Why was he a lamb? That what? That reduces my debt, that makes me feel better, that takes away my... Behold the Lamb of God. What? That taketh away the sin of the world. If your child, and who doesn't want to go to heaven, it's a lot better than hell. Every child would vote for that. But if she doesn't understand the cross and why it was important, if he doesn't know there's a weightiness, a separation between my heart, and a place called heaven and sin is the separator and there needs to be a savior. That little child, it may be that she's older than four or five before these concepts of atonement and forgiveness and cleansing and justification and adoption, all these things are pictured beautifully throughout the pages of scripture, the panorama of redemptive history and God time in different ways tells us about this growing plan called the gospel. And don't worry about it, parents. Don't push them. Lead them there. But surround them with gospel truths. I was taking a verse for my devotions and while we were there and just sharing one verse to little Callan about the grace of God. I think it was in John somewhere, early chapters and. I shared it in 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 an age-appropriate way that he would get it. We were hoping that even while we were there, this little one would come to Christ. But after I was done with my simple illustration, he just looked at me and said, can I go play now? Wasn't the right time, was it? Don't pick green fruit. Don't twist an arm. You can't save anyone. Look for a growing understanding of who Jesus is, what sin is, why does it separate, what did he do for our sin. Look for a personal desire in the child, not so much for heaven or an escape from hell, but look for a personal concern about his sin, a longing for Jesus to save him. Behold the Lamb of God. There are rich concepts in the Bible, so take time. It's not a race To get your child into heaven, there's an urgency there, but it's not a race; it's a journey. And uh, you know, ask questions as you're reading your family devotional time. Why did Why did he have to be bruised for our iniquities? Why not his own? Did he have any? But take time. Just Q and A with your child through these wonderful concepts. A blind hymn writer, Fanny Crosby, wrote, I know I shall see in his beauty. She was blind. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight. She had come to see Christ. Your children need to see that in how you live and how you sing and how you relate to your husband or wife. They need to see the marvels, the beauty of a redeemer. I've told you once, I've told you many times, the reason I was attracted to God was the songs of my mother in the kitchen. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Paint pictures for them. Illustrate the gospel. In time, they will love him too. Thirdly, and Really for my last challenge to parents, it's this, disciple them to become Christ-like. We've mentioned this verse uh, in Ephesians 6, and you parents, you fathers, bring them up in the nurture. Put it it in your mind to put the mind of Christ in them. When the Lord met his disciples-to-be, do you remember what he said there in Matthew chapter 4 verse 19? What did he say? He said, follow me and I will what? I will make you to what? Become rich, popular, and successful. No. He said, follow me and it won't happen overnight, but I will make you to become something. Wouldn't it be great if we went down the road, all of you have children still at home, and ask the question on three by five cards, so what do you want them to become? I hope you're a directive or directing parent. And so it is, we are to be directing them, not just pushing them out of our homes and to the nether world, hoping that they kind of find their way. Follow me, the Lord says, and I will make you to become something. Here are just a few priorities that Rob and I set up in our home, and I hope they're a help to you. There could be probably a hundred, who knows, a thousand of these priorities, but let me just give you five as we close. I remember we're parents, and the question this morning is, help me know what to do with these little creatures that God has given us. No mistake, planned by God, by God, for God, to God. And so none of my goals or our goals for our children ended with the letter A, NBA, PGA, or L, NFL, NHL. First, Robin and I wanted them to be students of the Word. Students of the Word, this is the Iwana verse, of course, Uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, even before they could read, we wanted to give them an affinity for the main textbook of our life and our house and our family, God's guidebook, God's roadmap for life. And so we started early with short bite-sized stories from the Word, true stories, of course, narratives of how God was expressing his heart to his people. Then when they could read, we structured a time for them where they themselves would read, of course, children's Bibles, illustrated Bibles, where they would have to answer a question, what did you learn today? Students, why did we do that? The entrance of thy word giveth light, understanding to the simple, Psalm 119, 130. Secondly, We wanted uh, to see in them, and Robin mentioned this in Sunday school today, we wanted to see in them signs of real life, that they really delighted in the Lord and not just checked off a little daily reading guide, okay, I did that to please my parents, but we wanted to see that they were truly delighting in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord and he will give thee the desires of the heart does not mean that that God is going to look at all of our desires and stamp them and say, wow, I'm excited about that. No, the word delight, as we worship the Lord, He transforms our desires and makes the true worship of our heart be His and His only to Him. And we want to see that in our children, that they, they love God not for all that God does for them, but for who God is. There is no name given among men under heaven, more sweeter than that name. We want them to be worshipers of God. The great commandment is summarized in Luke 10, 27. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind. Right now some of you have minds that are a long way from the throne of grace, right? You're just distracted about what's happening tomorrow. And there's a God in heaven that is desirous of your worship because he made you for that. All the time I'm trying to discipline, control my mind, and say, Lord, may you be the focus of my life. Thy words, Jeremiah said, were found, and I did eat them, and they were to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. We want our children to go from, uh, do I have to read the Bible today? To, man, that was good. That was delicious. There's no taste like living water. Or from, do we have to go to church of all places? so boring. To, I was glad when they said to me, Let me go to the house of the Lord, Psalm 122.1. Student, worshiper, missionary, I think this goes without saying, but this doesn't come automatically. Dad and mom, has your child ever said, could we take some food over to the neighbor lady and tell her about Jesus? Or mom, could we pray with my friends at school? I'm sure they're not saved. You should hear the words they use. Or this story about my college Bible professor, a Dr. Michael Bear, who told a story about how his wife came to know the Lord. She was a first grade teacher and a little first grader came into her class or public school, came into her classroom with a track, said, Here, here, teacher, I want you to read this and get saved. First grade missionary. And if you don't care about others, chances are your kids. Will not either because the Lord said, go make disciples. No, he said, follow me and you will become passionate about the things I'm passionate about. You will become lovers of the lost. His first words were, follow me. His last words, you shall be witnesses unto me. Is your home in any way a home that's a continual missions conference? Number four, a victor over sin. You know, most children don't know how to overcome sin. They're laced together like you and I with sin nature, and even though it's overcome at the cross, they have struggles with sin. Have you struggled with sin lately? I do. Parents, you are to build this field around your children, how they can biblically deal with the impulses of the old nature, overcome, sure, at the victory of the cross, Christ promises victory through His Spirit, but still there is that fleshly impulse and the cultural pull to sin. And often they flounder through life because they haven't learned to pray the preemptive strike. Pray that you enter not into temptation, avoidance, flee from it. Tell your children there is great wisdom in fleeing from fornication instead of gazing at pictures that would stimulate you to these activities that are wrong. Resistance. James 4, 7, submit to the Lord, resist the devil. There's a two-sided coin. And then overcoming evil with good, Romans 12, 21. Do not become overcome with evil. So you put off some evil ways, but you're just standing still. Overcome that. Your children need to know how to be victorious over sin. And then lastly, they need to learn how to serve They need to learn how to serve in the church and at home, wherever they are in the community. Have you uh, uh, noticed, parents, just because you're a servant-minded person, your kids don't necessarily get that. You really have to make it a priority. Paul, one of his favorite titles for himself was a bond slave to Christ. He was a lot of things, an apostle, but he loved the title, the humble title, uh, as a bond slave. Children do not arrive in our homes as... Ready made servants. And I love Hannah's prayer, don't you? Before she even had Samuel, Lord, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him right back to you. Little Othniel, when we were putting up flags, as we often do for national holidays, especially patriotic holidays, he came bounding over when he saw a couple of us. Have you ever seen Othniel bound? And he said, how can I help? It doesn't have to start when you're 24. Here's a three or four-year-old Samuel in the temple and is already... And if you don't teach your children servant principles early, they won't get it. Puritan Thomas Watson said this, and I close, how is a servant known? By his care for his master, his humble spirit by the way he works with industry and diligence, by the way he follows orders without complaint, by his satisfaction with his master's wage, by his loving loyalty and defense of his master, even to the point of death. Every man hath received the gift of life and eternal life. So minister that gift, 1 Peter 4.10, to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So let's teach our children the beauty of being servant-minded. Parents, remember, you can't save your child, but you can surround them with the Savior in such a way that when they leave your home, He is the sweetest name they know. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you.